have you ever had a difference of opinion with someone? I, I, I know you probably haven't. For those of you who have, you can, you can connect with me here. Has that difference of opinion ever led to a heated argument? Again, I'm sure not for you all, right? Um, have you ever wondered whether you were handling that dispute, that argument, correctly? That was Pastor David Robinson from Axe Church in Camas, Washington, and this is Contemplate. I'm Ron Hagelgans. Thanks for being here as we begin a study from the book of Acts we're calling Contentment in Christ. Unfortunately, we all have struggles and conflicts of one kind or another, but how do we handle them in a way that honors God? Well, in these next two podcasts, we're going to find out. We'll begin in the book of Acts chapter 15, so please get out your Bible as we join Pastor David Robinson with today's podcast, recorded live at Axe Church. I think some people think that the church is a place or supposed to be a place or something where people never get into arguments, that somehow we're all just kind of singing songs and hugging all the time, right? And we do that. We hug and we sing songs, um, but this is not a conflict-free happy fest all the time, right? There's conflict because of you all, right? And me, right? And so we, we have disputes from time to time, okay? Um, there are sometimes disputes and conflicts in the church. I would like to say that I wish that that weren't so, but it's actually not true. I actually am glad that we have conflict in the church because it is often through conflict handled correctly that we shed bad thinking for good thinking. It's often through conflict handled correctly that relationships are made stronger. As you learn to love through difficulty, it ties the binds stronger, both with Christ and with one another. And so I actually am glad that there's some conflict. It's part of what helps us grow. But the question is, how do we handle that conflict? Okay? How do we handle that conflict? That's what matters. We're going to look at the whole chapter of Acts 15, and we're going to see two conflicts, two different conflicts that occurred in the church, okay? As we go through this, I want you to think about some things that we can learn from both of these disputes. Here are a few things to keep in mind as we go through this. One, there are disputes in the church, okay? There are. There are, were then, there are now. There will be until Christ comes, okay? And there are several different kinds. There are theological disputes. And what I mean by that is disputes about uh, who God is, what he's done, what his plan is for us, what we ought to do, uh, what's morally right and wrong, what the church should be doing. Those kinds of things are theological disputes, okay? We're going to see that in the first part of Acts 15, leading to what's known as a Jerusalem council, okay? Those are theological disputes. There are personal disputes, you're probably familiar with these, okay? Personal disputes are what we see every time that you have an issue with one of your brothers or sisters in Christ, okay? Then there are strategy disputes, okay? These aren't necessarily theological disputes, and these aren't necessarily personal disputes. Um, the second part, uh, the second dispute in Acts 15, we're going to see this between Paul and Barnabas, okay? Ministry strategy, both, you know, of them trying to say, what do we need to do to put, build the kingdom and preach the gospel and whatever, and yet there was a dispute about strategy. And so we're going to see that those disputes are things that happen, and we're going to get some descriptive and some 
prescriptive. We've talked about that, right? Descriptive is telling us what happened, but not necessarily telling us that we ought to do the same thing. And prescriptive are things that we see that happened and that we ought to model for ourselves too. We're going to see a little bit of both here in this chapter. Okay, um, But specifically, we're going to have some prescriptive information about how to handle especially theological disputes, um, but certain disputes in the church. So let's work through the chapter, and then we'll analyze the content. Let's start with verse 1. It says this, 15, chapter 15, verse 1. And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So, some men came from Judea to Antioch. This is where Paul and Barnabas were. If you can see the map, Judea is at the bottom, and Antioch's at the top. It's about a 300-mile trip. That's where they came, okay? And these guys have come in, they show up, and they're teaching, and they're saying, you cannot be saved. You cannot be a Christ follower. You cannot be in Christ unless you follow the custom of Moses and get circumcised. For those of you who don't know what circumcision is, Ask someone else. I don't have a slide for that, okay? (laughs) Uh, Next verse. All right. Uh, It says this. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. Okay. It says that these guys had no small dissension and dispute. Uh, If you... Look at the Greek here. Uh, the, the word here is stasis, okay? It's only used a couple times. And this is not uh, a gentle argument, okay? When we see this word, it, it refers to an uproar, okay? So it's not a minor disagreement, not over some trivial manner. I'm talking knock down, drag out, humongous, monumental dispute and battle, Okay? Um, this was a key theological question. A key theological question. What does it take to be saved? What does it mean to be in Christ? What do you have to do? Right? These guys who came from Judea have probably primarily been around Jews and people who were Jewish converts before they became Christians, right? Proselytes, those who actually became Jews. Part of that was getting circumcised, or God-fears like Cornelius, who were familiar with the law of Moses, who had been to synagogue, and that type of thing. These guys down in Judea, that's primarily who they'd seen come to Christ. But now we have these pagan, heathen Gentiles from over here who know nothing about their ways, okay? Um, these these uh, Gentile converts would have been highly suspect, of circumcision, okay? Um, they did not think highly of people who were circumcised. It's, it's well known. The Jewish philosopher Philo wrote that Jews were often ridiculed because they were circumcised, because of circumcision. In fact, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes made circumcision illegal back in about 160 BC when he was around, and he would actually put circumcised babies and their mothers to death, okay? So Gentiles had not been cool about the circumcision thing. And so when these Jewish guys who have these traditions are looking at what it means to become a Christian, remember, they only have the Old Testament. These guys have the Old Testament. 
That's what they understood. Now, of course, they have the testimony of Christ, the testimony of the Holy Spirit. We'll get into that in a minute. But as far as Scripture, they have the Old Testament, and they're, and they're sort of tied to it. I want to give these guys the benefit of the doubt that they honestly felt that this was what was right and that they were truly trying to do what was right in trying to get these guys to follow the law of Moses to get circumcised. I don't know if that's true. They may have just been legalists, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt for right now and say they really believed this, and so they were trying to help these folks, but this is, a, this is a battle between them, okay? Remember, circumcision was a fundamental sign, a fundamental sign of the covenant between God and his people that were chosen. So for these guys, it's not just like, oh, you just throw that away, okay? All right. Um, for Paul and Barnabas, this is a non-starter, complete non-starter. There was no room for adding anything on the issue of salvation. We are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, period. That's their position, okay? No other additional requirements, least of all, adding back in the Mosaic law, okay? That law which had never led to salvation, but only pointed to Christ. And so um, this is the deal, though. They determined that they should go and seek out the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem to deal with this dispute, okay? They didn't fight, punch each other, that I know of, right? It didn't come to that. They said, hey, listen, this is clearly a humongous dispute. Let's go talk to the elders. So let's look at the next verse, number three. It says, so being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. So they're, as they're traveling down, um, they go through these towns in Phoenicia and Samaria. They're Christian churches as they've been built up. Remember, all the Christians had fled from Jerusalem and they started churches and they started, and more and more people came to Christ. So they're going down and they're saying, hey, we went on these missionary journeys up in Lystra and Derby and Iconium and Antioch and all this stuff. And they're telling about the people who come to know the Lord and they're celebrating. Just like when we come back, either Steve Bragg from the Philippines or when we go to Honduras and we talk about what the Lord is doing, it's a joyful experience. That's what we see happening here, Okay. But don't miss this. In order to get this dispute dealt with, they had to take a 300-mile trip. 300 miles, okay? This is a journey that would have taken at least 20 days, okay? No air conditioning, no car. And it probably would have taken longer because they stopped in all these churches to tell them about what was going on, okay? I, I think that that's a pretty bold thing when you try to think about how serious, how serious was this dispute? You're willing to travel 300 miles. I just imagine the guy coming back like, oh, what are they arguing about? Oh, well, you know, they have this thing when we take it to, the, to Jerusalem. Like, That's 300 miles. Can't we just agree? And he's like, well, you'd have to get circumcised. He's like, pack my bags. I'll go the 300 miles, right? Um, and so these guys are willing to go to this length. Obviously, that wasn't really the reason they went. It was a very serious issue to determine what it meant to be saved. And so here they go. Let's look at the next couple of verses. All right, this is uh, four and five. And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed, these were believers, rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. All right, so first they get there, they get to Jerusalem, and the church welcomes them. They have a, they have a you know, party, they hang out, they tell them all about what they've been doing, and as they do that, as they're telling them all that stuff, these folks who are from the sect of the Pharisees but are believers, okay, these are believers, they kind of rise up and they make their case. We think that to be a believer, 
You must get circumcised and follow the law of Moses. All right? That's what they want these Gentile believers to do. Let's look at the next four verses. This is six through nine. Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So God, know, God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Okay. The elders and the, and the apostles are going to take this matter into consideration. They recognize the question, what does it take to be saved? Do these people need to be circumcised? Do they need to follow the law of Moses? After much dispute, not a hugging fest, much dispute, okay? They're back and forth, a lot of it, okay? Peter gets up and he reminds them of what we studied in chapter 10 of Acts a little while back, where Peter goes to the household of Cornelius and they all get saved, right? And the Holy Spirit shows a sign. They speak in tongues, glorifying God as a sign that the Holy Spirit was given to the Gentiles as well as he had been given to the Jews at Pentecost, okay? This is important because what didn't they do before they got the Holy Spirit? They didn't get circumcised. They didn't get circumcised before they got the Holy Spirit, okay? So Peter makes this point that the sign that the Holy Spirit had come upon them, upon the Gentiles with Cornelius, was the same sign that the Holy Spirit had come upon these Jewish Christians at Pentecost, and that God had made no distinction that he acknowledged that these Gentiles were in Christ just like them, okay? Their hearts were purified through faith in Jesus Christ. All right, let's look at uh, verses 10 and 11. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. All right. Peter's saying, don't test God. Don't test God. Don't burden these Gentiles with something that neither us nor our, nor our ancestors, Right? Our fathers, none of us have been able to keep the law. That's why Christ had to come. If it was something we could do, let's do it. We can't do it. Now, why are you taking the grace that Christ showed and then trying to put on the Gentiles the yoke, right, around their neck, the burden of trying to keep the law? That's testing God. He capitalizes his point by saying, we believe that we're going to be saved through the grace of Jesus Christ, as opposed to because we kept the law and were circumcised, right? That's his point. They'll be saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. That's, Peter makes his point. He's given his evidence about Cornelius. Now, next verse, Paul and Barnabas give evidence in support of what Peter just said, all right? It says this, then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. Okay, follow the argument. Peter makes his argument. Here's what we saw the Holy Spirit do at Pentecost. Here's what we saw the Holy Spirit do among the Gentiles. It was the same and there was no circumcision involved in it. Now Paul and Barnabas say, we've gone to all these uncircumcised pagans and God is working. He's at work. The Holy Spirit's doing all this stuff. Right? That's the next piece of testimony. All right? Now, uh, verses 13 through 19 say this. And after they had become silent, James, this is the brother of Christ, 
answered, saying, the half-brother, of course, men and brethren, listen to me. Simon, which is Peter, okay, same, same person. Simon has declared how God at the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, after this I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God. Okay, this is important. James is piling on to this argument that's being made. Remember, there was lots of discussion. Peter stands up and says, this is what happened. Paul and Barnabas say, this is what happened. Now James comes and says, you've heard this. Now, here's the thing. It's consistent with Scripture. Scripture says, the son of David, right? We're talking about David here, and the Gentiles are going to come through that, and that's what we've seen happen. And so this Scripture is consistent with this testimony, all of which suggests that a further burden than faith in Christ and his grace is not necessary. Okay? That's his thing. That's what he's saying. That's his therefore. Therefore, we should not burden these Gentiles who are turning to God with something more than God has shown is necessary, both by the testimony of Peter, the testimony of Barnabas and Paul, right? And the scripture. And the scripture. Okay. So, um, James is going to now, he's made his point, okay? The point's been made. The argument is strong. Peter's testimony, Barnabas and Paul, now James brings out the scripture, and then he makes his motion. His motion is in verse 20. It says, But that we write to them, the Gentiles, to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. Okay. Little, it may be a little strange for us to think that those are the rules that they wanted to send, but let's talk about it for a minute. We have four things here. Okay? Here's the first thing to remember about what's just happened in this motion that has been made by James. Okay? He is not relating these things to salvation. That question is settled. That question is settled. Peter said it's by grace. That's done. Now what he's doing is he's saying, obviously we're telling them they don't have to get circumcised, but let's give them some instructions on how to live. What was circumcision about? Separating people unto God, a covenant, right? Now he's saying, let's at least show them how to live separate from the pagans that they're around. So all four of these things are actually related to idolatry and the pagan idol worship practices that were going on. Let's look through them, okay? Um, the first one just says, don't do anything. You know, don't deal with anything polluted by idols. Okay, that's a catch-all. Stay away from anything polluted by idols. Then we get more specific, sexual morality. Now, you may think, what does that have to do with idols? Well, here's the deal. There were all kinds of illicit sexual practices that were going on in the pagan world related to the worship of idols. Okay, they would go to the temples. I'm not going to get into all of it. It was sexually immoral. So that's that. Now, it also meant more than that. They also meant sexual morality, any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage. Okay, the word porneia, the Greek word porneia, was used, and that's a catch-all for anything mental, physical, that happens sexually that is outside of marriage. Okay, so he's saying, yes, the sexuality as, as to the idols, but also there was a lot of 
sexuality, sexual morality that was going on in the pagan world. He wanted them to stay away from all of that because it would separate them if they wouldn't take part in those practices, okay? Now, the next thing that they talk about, the last two, is this. It's, it's strangled or choked animals and blood. Now, this is, these are both connected to the way that sacrifices were prepared for pagan idols, okay? And they considered this to be a demonic practice, that these things are basically prepared for demons. And so they said, stay away from that stuff. Stay away from these things. These are polluted by idols. So all of these things that they're talking about are connected to how these people were to live to be separated from, clearly separated from those around them so that it was clear they were in Christ. They were not things that were given for salvation. Believe in Jesus and do these things and you'll be saved. That wasn't the point. That wasn't the point. It was stay away from these practices because in their cultural moment at that time, these practices, if not by not doing these things, they would have separated themselves from those who did. And they were evil practices, right? So next verse, 1521. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. Okay. There's no question here, by the way, about whether the law, the scripture, right, is valuable. Okay, there's no question about that. The principles that we understand by studying Scripture, that we understand the law as a mirror pointing us, showing us who we are, and, and, and drawing us to Christ, this is all important. All of these things are important. But of course, the law by itself is not leading anyone to salvation without Christ. And he's saying, look, Moses has got his People, every single Sabbath, in every single city, they're talking about Moses and the law, okay? That's not, gonna, that's not going away. We want to talk about grace through faith, right? That's what he's saying. All right, let's read verses 22 through 29. Then it pleased the apostles and elders with the whole church to send chosen men of their own company to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also named Barsabbas, and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter by them. The apostles, the elders, and the brethren. To the brethren who are of the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words unsettling your soul, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. Oops. They weren't supposed to be up there doing that. It seemed good to us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. Okay? Seem good to the Holy Spirit. In other words, they're saying, this is that testimony that you heard. The Holy Spirit showed that that wasn't necessary. And so for, they, they agreed with the Holy Spirit, which is a good thing to do. Um, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, or from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. All right. So here's this letter. It's prepared. It's going to go to the Gentile believers. That's who it's written to. So that they can, so their minds can be eased about these things that they've been taught about the Jewish law and circumcision and so on. So, 300 miles back to Antioch, right, with this news. 
And we'll look at verses 30 and 31. It says this, So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. All right, so they get the church together, the whole church, and they're pretty happy about what this says. Remember, these people are, are wondering, because there's this big dispute, are we going to have to get circumcised and follow all these laws? This letter is really good news to them. You aren't going to have to do all of these things. That's not the important part. Your belief in Jesus Christ, your faith in him, it's by grace that you're saved through that faith, through Jesus Christ, right? Big deal. Big deal. You've been listening to Pastor David Robinson from Acts Church in Camas, Washington, and this is Contemplate. On our next podcast, we'll get into the second conflict, where Paul and Barnabas got into an argument over taking Mark on the second missionary journey. And Pastor David will show us how these kinds of conflicts that we all seem to get into should be handled. Now remember, if you'd like more information about Axe Church, you'll find us online at axecamus.org. There you'll find directions and all the info you need to come see us this Sunday morning at church. Pastor David loves to meet folks from our listening audience, so I hope you'll visit this Sunday. Again, that's axecamus.org or call 360-885-9000. That's 360-885-9000. I'm Ron Hagelgans. Always great to have you here, and I hope you'll listen to the next podcast for more with our teacher, Pastor David Robinson, here on Contemplate.